So the more energy we have flowing toward the customer and toward the employee, and the more healthy energy there is, and the more people have healthy energy, the healthier they're going to get, and and that's what's going to keep them because they're healthy, even if they get offered more money. Every leader faces challenges on a daily basis, and the way we navigate those challenges can make a deep and lasting impact for time and eternity. We're helping leaders discover practical tools based on biblical principles and helping you create like-minded communities who will walk with you as you lead your organization to health. Welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. Hello, everyone. Pleased to be with you today. We are talking about other forms of currency, and this is part two. Um, and I would encourage, we, we, we just did part one, the, the power of human energy. Part two is how human energy is measured. So the, these are important to listen to in, uh, in order. And so we have them labeled in order on purpose. So definitely if you're, if you're kind of jumping into the middle of this podcast, you found this one, I would definitely recommend going back and listening to part one first, if you have not. Um, and all of these, this whole, all these episodes in this series, the other forms of currency series are going to be sequential. They're going to build on each other. So, uh, I just want to encourage you to, uh, to go back and listen to the first one if you have not. Um, uh, and if you have not listened to other podcasts yet, if you're coming in, you know, if this is 10 years from now and you're jumping into the podcast and you're just sort of starting in the middle, um, I would encourage you to go back to the beginning, though our episodes are not always perfectly sequential and and don't necessarily build on each other in a in an orderly way like this series, um, it is helpful to understand in context because we recorded these episodes um, really in a sequential way, and we were really um, learning and growing and developing. So you'll notice most likely that as you listen to this podcast, each episode gets progressively better. Uh, we get better. Uh, presenting uh, this information. And uh, so we're just thankful that you're here today and that we're, we're uh, able to share and speak into your life. Um, I want to encourage you to go over to philcohen.co if you've not already checked out our website. Um, and we have lots of resources there. You can reach out and contact us, get in touch with us directly, talk with Phil. Um, you can share your story. And, and if Phil feels like there's some things that he could help you with, He'll actually jump on a Zoom call with you and meet you face to face and and talk through uh, maybe helping you solve some problems in your workplace. So uh, let's dive in part two, uh, other forms of currency, how human energy is measured. Yeah, for those of you who are nerdy and <laughs> and and uh, I'm not a, a real nerdy metric type of person. People knew that that I'm a visionary and and so I usually left the metrics to others, but. There are metric ways that people that are that that can measure. You can measure organizational culture, and just to to go back to what what I said before is that we were doing good things, we were winning awards, people's lives were changing, and we we I wanted to go one layer deeper. G O L D gold gold one layer one layer deeper, and I want to know why is this working, and so the reason it was working is because we were we were channeling healthy human energy in one di- direction in synergy with others where people were working together with others, like the difference between a solo and a symphony, mm-hmm. uh, the difference between six cylinders and one. In fact, I used to own a, a one cylinder tractor. It was a, it was a putt putt. It had a hand clutch and 
wow. made a loud putt, putt, putt as it went down the road. So anyways, so um, I'm going to give you just a really, really basic primer. And you, I'm sure you've seen these online, best places to work. Uh, some of the magazines, I don't know if Inc., Forbes, uh, Entrepreneur, a lot of these magazines will list best places in America to work. And I'm going to give you one way they measure the actual culture of best places to work. And it's, and it's not a list of the benefits they offer, mm-hmm. although the list of benefits benefit. But what, what do you do if the benefit that you're offering doesn't really benefit? Mm-hmm. So the benefit that you offer in one culture may not benefit in another culture. Can you give an example of that? Sure. So we were, we were hiring a lot of, uh, we were in a, in a semi-rural area and hiring a lot of ex-felons, mm-hmm. ex-drug addicts. And they were, uh, they were having a hard time buying cars. And so we were helping them. We, we had a whole program we put together to help them buy cars. Uh, we, we, we had car dealers who were willing to give them a good, honest deal. We had a bank who was willing to give them, a good, give them good bank rates. We had an insurance company who would help them find insurance. Uh, uh, we had somebody who would do free inspections. Uh, the local prosecutor was willing to help them get leniency on their infractions. That might not work in, like, say, if in Boston, where people are educated and, and you're not dealing with a lot of felons there. Mm. But it might, but it still might not fit okay. your particular culture. Mm-hmm. So it's like somebody came to me and, uh, from a company in Iowa, and they want to know, what are you doing? Why, how are you getting this great culture? And they'd ask these questions, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? And I finally said, I'll share with you everything we're doing. And I'll share with you all the spreadsheets, the SOPs, what we're doing. But I think it's going to be limited. What you really need to do is know the hearts of your employees and then know what their need is. So how do you energize this individual or these people in this individual culture not what works in, a, in another company. That's interesting. I, I years ago, I'll, I'll insert my, my experience with that kind of same sort of environment or, or situation. I worked for a telecommunications company years and years ago. And one of the benefits was free uh, satellite TV service, which I, I never would have paid for. Um, I'd had no, no use for it. We didn't watch a lot of TV. Um, but I was excited because we could watch sports and other things. And so that was on the list of benefits and there were some other things. Um, and I didn't really feel like it was a huge benefit to me, but it was kind of cool. And, uh, I could have satellite TV receivers in every room in my house and I didn't have to pay for it. But then once I was signing up for it, I found out that I was required to have a landline, a phone line in order to have the service. And so I had to go out and buy telephone service and ultimately ended up because the area I lived did not have access to TV or to uh, landline service very easily. Um, I had to pay a lot of money to get access to a phone line so that I could have free TV. And it almost ended up costing me as much as if I had just paid for the TV package that I didn't actually need in the first place. And so I was young and kind of stupid. So I just went ahead and did it. And then I realized looking back, you know what, we could have saved a lot of money by just not taking advantage of that perk. So for some people, that would have been a benefit because they were already paying for satellite TV service. Mm -hmm. And so now they have a, and they were already paying for landline. So 
now they get that perk for free. But for me, it wasn't a, a benefit. And so then what actually ended up happening was what was supposed to be a benefit for me actually became a point of tension. Mm-hmm. And it created my um, appreciation for that work environment to, to drop significantly. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't, um, I didn't really feel like I was getting the full deal that I was kind of promised when I was hired. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like uh, Gary Chapman writes about the love languages and what maybe a love language for you isn't for me. So it doesn't energize me. Like mm. I, I need quality time. I need affirmation. Mm. Don't give me any gifts. I, I really don't like stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you give me a gift, I'm going to, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm not going to know what to do with it. Give it to somebody else. probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or throw it away. Or and throw- then what? Yeah. So, uh, but it's, it's, you have to have to know what uniquely energizes your yeah. particular workplace. Yeah. That's good. The people, the people in your demographic and for your workplace, what causes their energy to flow forward? How, how do you maximize their potential, potential power, energy? Uh, how do you tap into that? And so when, uh, well, let me, one more story. Patrick Lencioni tells the story of a friend who worked at a, uh, in a company that pray, had great benefits, had, had great uh, pay, great salary. I mean, everything was really great. And when he left on the exit interview, they said, what could we have done to keep you? And he goes, anything. <laughs> like they just gave him these benefits and gave him this money. Yeah. But he just wanted to be known as a person. Mm-hmm. And, and so... That's what what energized him. That's what kept him going forward. And in it, today, when it's really hard to find good help, you really need to find out why people want to come to work. Yeah. And they, in the studies, they claim that that money is number five. Wow. Okay. So people who come for money will leave for money. Hmm. And we had people coming to us that they said they came because of the culture and they've been offered more money. Well, it wasn't just because of the culture or a culture. It was because our culture was bringing out the best in them Mm. and their families. So you could replicate our culture. It's going to help you to a certain degree, but it's not going to maximize. You're just going to be a clone of us. Mm. It's not going to maximize your employees. Mm. And and so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go in now um, into the actual metric. So when, when they do, and I'm sure there's many, but I'm just going to give you one basic. When they do uh, culture, when they, when they measure these things, and I know there's some best workplaces that they got in there because they did some po- political maneuvers, but I'm talking about the ones that actually do it, and I'm looking at a graph right now. And what they do is they ask the employees to fill out a questionnaire, and through that questionnaire, they, they want to know, here's the big question they want to know is uh, the discretionary energy. So to explain discretionary energy, you, uh, discretionary time is, is the time you have left over after you've met your necessities in life. Mm-hmm. Discretionary money is the money that's left over to do things that you like to do after you've paid for your necessities. Discretionary energy is the same thing. What are, what are people doing with their discretionary energy after they've, after they've taken care of the things that need to be taken care of? So what is it that uh, you want to know what drains them and what energizes them? And here's how it's measured. 
They ask people questionnaires that will, will help them understand what people are doing with their discretionary energy. And if people are using their, their like Nordstrom's, people are using their discretionary energy to go the second mile for the customer and to watch out for each other as employees, to care about each other. If they're using that discretionary energy, you have a healthy culture. It's that simple. But if, if you have a culture where people are using their discretionary energy, where it becomes an inward focus, where they're self-protecting, mm. where, where they're starting to preserve themselves. Maybe looking for another job or looking Secretly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're secretly looking for another job. Mm -hmm. there, there, there's, there's gossip going on. There, there's people, instead of people going to each other, they're talking about each other. Mm. There's politics, there's people crushing each other. So people go into self-preservation mode. Mm. And so they have ways of asking questions, the employees' questions, to know whether people are using their discretionary energy to go the second mile for each other, for the customers, or whether they're using their discretionary energy to self-preserve. And then and eventually, as a, as a culture becomes toxic, people aren't just using their discretionary energy. They're draining out their essential energy to where they come to work and they really don't have energy to get done what needs to be done. Like one example is that we found that when somebody decides to quit and they give a notice, many times their heart has already left the building. They might be a good person. They might... But, but their heart has left. And so we, we actually wrong them to make them stay. And so many times what we would do is somebody would quit and they'd give a two-week notice. We would just pay them for the two weeks and say, well, you, you're free to go now. Because their heart has already left. Their heart is already moving to another place. So uh, this is how, and this is, not, this is a non-Christian organization that measures culture. I got it through my my membership in the in the Forbes Small Giants group, um, so it's it's done. It's not just done in Christian organizations. Right. Uh, somewhere along the way, I, I hope we can interview Al Lopez, the the founder and CEO of Best Christian Workplaces, and he can explain in more depth how they actually measure mm -hmm. the health of an organization mm -hmm. and 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 the energy. What direction, what's happening with that energy? So the more energy we have flowing toward the customer and toward the employee, and, and, and I mean toward the employee's families, and the more healthy energy there is, and the more people have healthy energy, the healthier they're going to get. Mm. And, and, the, and that's what's going to keep them because they're healthy, even if they get offered more money. Mm. But if, if it's an unhealthy culture, then it's going to divert back to money. Money. If if if, if they have no other no good reason to stay, uh, then money is is the last resort. So they're gonna they're gonna come for money and they're gonna leave for money. I think that we had talked about this in a previous episode. I can't remember uh, if it was if it was uh, in this series or not. Um, but Richard Bronson or Branson from uh, Virgin Global has a quote where he says, train people well enough so that they can leave, but treat them well enough so that they don't want to. That's right. <clears throat> and so when you're, as a, as a business leader, if you're, uh, you're equipping your employees uh, with all the tools that they need to actually outgrow your company and actually 
go find a better job with another company and probably do better somewhere else. But you treat them so well and, and they have so much, uh, like you were talking about using that discretionary energy to serve the customer and, uh, and go the extra mile. And watch out for each other, help each other succeed. The only way that anybody would ever have the, the ability or the extra energy to do that is if at the outset they're brought into a, a company culture where that is exhibited by the leadership. And, you know, so as a leader, if you, if you're not exhibiting this in your personal life and, and we, we talked about this in the leader secret heart episode, uh, if your personal life and your secret heart and, and, and what's going on inside of you is out of balance, then it's going to, it's going to manifest in, in the culture of your company. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, if you're pure in heart and you genuinely are here to serve your employees and they recognize that, I mean, I know for sure though, Phil, you, you, you had a, the, the right heart, but you still had people quit. You still had people that got mad that you still had conflict. So it doesn't mean that, that you're going to avoid all the problems, but would you say that the problems that you did encounter and the conflict you did encounter was a lot easier to manage? It was, and but it was perfecting me along the way too. Sure, because I could self-reflect and say, "Well, what? How could I have done it different?" Yeah, and then many times people we we let go or people who quit came back, hmm. and you could still see them around town wearing our company T-shirts. <laughs> I think you had made that uh, comment to me uh, a few weeks ago uh, about firing, and you know, saying when when we let someone go we want to make sure we do it in a way where they're still wearing the t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Where they leave and they're still wearing the t-shirt where they're still a fan of the company. Um, they just recognize that they're not a good fit for, for the company at, at that moment. Yeah. Some really good examples are Jeff Immelt, who was the CEO of GE. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just put my head down and served. Yeah. And he said, my fellow employees were the ones who promoted me. Yeah. Wow. And the people, we, we used to have, and, and uh, this should go in another podcast, but I'm going to say it while it's on my mind. We used to say that there's three ways to get promoted. One is to kiss up and kick down. <laughs> and the other one is to campaign your way up, mm-hmm. to make promises that you really aren't able to keep when you get there. And the third one is to serve your way up. Mm-hmm. And by serving your way up, uh, you actually get promoted by your fellow employees because they say, "I, this person is doing so much for me. I want to see him. I, I want to see see him do more of that." Yeah. You can kiss up and kick down, and I always told people, they can kiss up to me all they want, um, and it, they do need to respect me, but it won't get them a promotion because I'm not the one who decides on their promotion. Yeah. And then we we know we live in an entire world of people who campaign their way up. Mm-hmm. And once they get there, they don't keep the promises that they made. And so those who serve their way up, which really comes back to the biblical principle of servant leadership. That's so good. Well, I think that's a great place to pause for today. Uh, so we're, we're going to keep on this theme, uh, other forms of currency. There's a, there's a lot here that we're going to be mining through. And again, we do have access. We do have a, a presentation and notes uh, that we'd love to share with you. So go to philcohen.co. Uh, there's a contact form if you'd like to reach out and uh, get in touch with Phil directly, maybe possibly scheduling a Zoom call, face-to-face meeting with him 
to see if, if there's ways that, that we can help you solve some problems in your workplace. And, um, again, we, we, we're, all of these things play into the bigger picture, which is bringing the Bible and prayer into your workplace and, uh, making the central focus. We, we were just talking about this this morning before we started recording, uh, where companies really do need to function like little cities. They, they generally, uh, when, when a business functions like a business, uh, and everything is transactional, then the, the people in the organization eventually will get to a point where they want something more. They want something more out of, out of their... They don't have a reason to come to work. There's no reason other than to fulfill an obligation and get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to eventually start looking... I mean, I would never want to be in that environment. I'd eventually start looking for a better job. Or in my case, what I did was I just started my own thing. <laughs> so if you think of a, a company as being a little city... yeah then the human energy in that city is what's creating the That's light. Right. It's paying the light. It's the lights. Yep. It's what's energizing the machine. I mean, you can turn on a machine, mm-hmm. but the machine that's producing the product and service, the, the spiritual light, the human light. And I've been through a lot. Of, I've tried a lot of different approaches. And I found the Bible holds the highest standard. It works for me. It doesn't have to work for you. I'll still be your friend. I'll still give you advice. You know, it's just, uh, we're not insisting that you use the Bible. What we are suggesting that you experiment with it and see if it works for you. That's good. That's so good. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Leaders Podcast as we journey together toward healthy biblical leadership. If you're facing a particular challenge in your organization, please visit healthy-leaders.org. We would love to help you lead your organization to health.